Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today are Martin Arnold, our banking editor, Caroline Binham, our financial regulation correspondent, and Olaf Storbeck, our correspondent in Frankfurt. We're also joined by our guest, Nick Hammond, former Barclays executive, who is now at Worldwide Technology. This week, we'll be looking at Deutsche Bank as it announced its plans to take an axe to its investment bank, an investigation of TSB and the damage done by its IT disaster, and finally, a look at the cloud and the extent to which financial regulators are looking at the way banks outsource their IT. First, though, to Deutsche Bank. And Olaf, uh, you're here in the studio in London. Normally, you're on the ground in Frankfurt. In both countries, it's been a pretty big week for Deutsche Bank. They've announced their investment bank is going to shrink dramatically. Tell us exactly what's going on. Yes, so Deutsche Bank, the new CEO, Christian Seving, 18 days after he was appointed, basically put an end to a 20-year ambition of becoming, of, of being a globally active uh, investment bank, which is basically at par with the big five American investment banks. And they now decided to focus their resources more on European investment banking. They will keep operations in the US. It's not a complete pullback out of the US, but they will shrink their trading activities there and they will also shrink their corporate finance and activities, which are based on US-centered clients. Now, to some extent, this is exactly what we expected when Christian Seving, who had previously been head of the retail bank at Deutsche, was appointed. There's been some questions, though, over whether the rhetoric, which is, as expected, as I say, a refocusing on Germany, a pullback from investment banking, is matched actually by the details of this plan. It doesn't sound as if it's that dramatic in terms of cost savings or job cuts. The thing is, we just don't know yet. So Deutsche Bank didn't break out a lot of details on what they are actually going to do. What we know is that the day before they announced the strategic shift, they already fired 300 people in New York. They fired another 100 people in the subsequent days, but they haven't given any number on, on how many people have to go and how significantly the several activities they have earmarked for cut will be affected. But every kind of guidance you they give off the record suggests that it's going to be a, a significant and major cut and not just tinkering along the edges. Well, as you say, if it all happens, it will be an end to a 20-year adventure. Along the way, there have been there's been quite a lot of collateral damage for individuals. You talked about the new chief executive coming in, Christian Zeving, to replace John Cryan. A question mark still hangs over the chairman, Paul Achleitner, who is now on his third chief executive, and one wonders whether he can continue. There's even a motion that will be put to the bank's AGM uh, in the next couple of weeks to remove him. What do you think is the likely outcome here, Martin? Yeah, May 24th is the annual shareholder meeting of Germany's biggest bank. And already a shareholder group has submitted a motion proposing that Paul Ackleitner be removed as as chairman and a replacement be found. And one of the big advisors to uh, shareholders, Glass Lewis, 
Um, the US firm has said that shareholders should carefully consider this proposal. It's not recommending they vote in favour, but it does say that it believes the commencement of a structured process to find his successor is in shareholders' best interests. So hardly a big vote of confidence from one of the big advisors to shareholders. And I think we can expect after all the uh, shenanigans we've seen at Deutsche Bank over the last few weeks, and particularly what most people reckon was a pretty bungled succession process at A, getting rid of John Cryan and B, trying to find a successor and looking externally and contacting various CEOs of other banks that Paul Ackneitner led this process and it was leaky, it was destructive to the bank, it was very destructive to internal morale, I've heard. So he has to take some of the blame for that and I think there will be quite a lot of criticism of Mr Ackneitner. But also if you look at his record, since he's been at the bank, the shares are down some 50% in that time and, you know, he backed Anshu Jain for a long period, who was the co-CEO before John Cryan took over. Uh, their strategy of, of being the last man standing in European investment banking, which has proved to be pretty destructive. And now they're having to unwind it anyway. So strategically, corporate governance wise, it's a bit of a mess at Deutsche Bank. I think the chairman has to take a lot of blame for that. Well, we're certainly set for a pretty feisty AGM, I suspect. We'll watch that one closely. Let's move on to our second topic. And TSB, another bank that's in a bit of bother. Martin, you've been reporting along with colleagues on the IT Farago that took place 10 days ago now, which is still rumbling on. Where are we at? What exactly has happened? And and what's the outlook for TSB? Well, people have dubbed this bank Total Shambles Bank, which is, I think, perhaps a bit unfair. Going back to how this started, it was the requirement for the bank to move itself off the IT systems of its former parent Lloyd's Banking Group and onto a new IT platform that was created by the Spanish bank Sabadell that bought TSB from Lloyd's back in 2015. And that seemed to initially seem to have gone well. They did it over a weekend. They told their customers they would be turning off online banking and mobile banking for the three days over the weekend while they did this. They turned it all back on again. They thought it was working and then problems started and they had to turn it off again. And there's basically been disruption, particularly for anybody trying to do their online banking. Banking over mobile devices on TSB customers have been hugely disrupted. They've been complaining vociferously about not being able to get access to their accounts. A small number of customers have even seen other people's account details through their mobile apps or or online. Some have seen strange movements in their bank balances, which has been pretty alarming. The bank is still trying to fix this. I mean, we're recording this on May the 1st, and a lot of people have standing orders that are set up to pay various bills, or they're trying to pay their credit cards that come due on the first of the month. And they're struggling. And we're getting reports today that um, a lot of these payments are bouncing, and they're worried about getting hit for late payment charges. So there's a lot of people on social media who are complaining about this. Uh, I'll just quote from from one of them who's uh, on Twitter, Pamela Little, has urged the bank to get their act together. Claire Brown says, why have all my standing orders due out of my account today been returned to my account? Plenty of funds to cover them in the account. This is wearing thin now. You know, this is really a big problem. The chairman and chief executive of TSB have been called to appear before a parliamentary committee this week, and they can expect a pretty 
fierce grilling by MPs who are fairly exercised about this. It's about as bad as it can get for a bank in terms of losing the confidence of its customers to just have 10 days without being able to you know, provide a full service online. Well, for an external view on this, let's go now to Nick Hammond, who I talked to earlier. He's a former Barclays executive who is now the lead advisor on financial services at Worldwide Technology. And I talked to Nick first about what TSB might have done differently. So I think hindsight's a great thing in all of these situations. One area where TSB should have done a better job is with communication. And uh, I think it's fair to say that there are always going to be challenges with anything as ginormous as this type of change. In fact, there are, there are generally uh, issues that occur on a, on a frequent basis in any bank um, because these are large and complex IT systems and with an interwoven set of applications across them. But the communication about who's doing what, what's happening, I think is probably the biggest failing uh, in this instance. And, it, and what it's led to is a bunch of confusion and that is uh, where you never want to have your customer base. So there is undoubtedly uh, lessons learned from this, but the biggest one's gonna be, how, how did you get into a situation where uh, you were in this kind of hung state um, and you couldn't communicate it effectively to your customers about what is affected and what isn't affected? That's the worst possible scenario. What about the next step, if you like, or the, or the next set of repercussions for TSB? Do you think uh, this is kind of permanently damaging for their brand, how can they recover from this? Uh, sure, I, I, I think it's absolutely detrimental to the brand. This, this, these issues like this allow for customers to reconsider whether they're comfortable with, with their deposits and their uh, transactions um, being governed in this way. Um, uh, only time's going to tell about how punishing uh, uh, that, that may be. I think the, the piece that TSB should be doing a lot more of is communicating what they're doing, how they're making changes, and being very open uh, with everybody, um, regulators, industry bodies, uh, customers, that they're doing these steps to remediate these issues. I mean, it's going to cause more questions, but the, uh, the transparency at this stage, I think, is going to help restore confidence. And if you're not as transparent as maybe you can be, I think that's going to actually be detrimental and, and customers are going to vote with their feet. Well, hopefully lessons have been learned. Nick Hammond, thank you very much. Well, let's move on now to our final topic, a look at the cloud and the push to regulate banks through the cloud and therefore technology companies that provide these cloud services. So, Caroline, you broke this story the other day that regulators are looking at essentially bringing into their ambit some of the world's biggest technology companies. How would it work and why? I don't think the financial regulators are really ready Yet, what I would say they're in the phase of is the stroking chin phase. They're obviously quite concerned about how banks particularly have started using the cloud in the last year and just the burgeoning amount of information that we've seen now stored on the cloud. And it's gone from sort of less worrying HR ledgers and things like that up to far more, as, as a regulator, worrying information like customer account data and things like that. So what I would describe as their main concerns are what we call uh, systemic risk from uh, a bank's perspective. So what happens if a bank goes down in the event of a collapse and regulators are trying to resolve that? And what happens to that customer information? Where is it? How can they get hold of it? How can they ensure continuity of service? There's then the obvious cyber risk that the Bank of England 
England, certainly in this country and others around the world have been worrying about for a long time. I think the tech providers would counter that the cloud is often more safe and secure than some of the bank's own systems that obviously date back a few decades and are often described as this mishmash and spaghetti. And obviously there's the operational issue as well. And, and TSB is a very good example of how banks' own databases don't often work very well. Well, it's certainly a, a really hot topic. And the idea of uh, the Bank of England starting to regulate Google or or Apple or uh, Amazon is quite an interesting prospect, even if it's um, some way off. Yeah, I mean, I think also there's another element to this that Obviously, the banks have been calling for the regulation of big tech for some time, certainly as it relates to, to finance. And as you say, we have seen some moves by big tech to start eating the bank's own lunch. And certainly, I think any move to create a more level playing field would be welcomed by the traditional banks. The Bank of England certainly is alive to those concerns. And as far as they're concerned, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it should also be regulated like a duck. Duck regulation is the way to go. Well, that's it for this week. All that's left to do is thank Caroline, Martin and Olaf here in the studio and our, our guest Nick Hammond from Worldwide Technology. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Amy Keane and Martin Staber. Until next week, goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.